All right, welcome again to another edition of the Red Reporter Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, PK, and alongside me this week, in, uh, we have our normal two co-hosts uh, in, in the box this week, fresh out of uh, his honeymoon, is uh, Wick Terrell. Wick, how are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm recovering from uh, coming back from a wonderful week in Mexico, so uh, a little, little sunburnt, a little delusional at this point, but uh, doing quite well. For sure. Yeah. You ready Ready to uh, go back into the inanity of Reds baseball? Yeah. I came back just in time to watch <laughs> the second half of the Super Bowl and uh, officially hand over the uh, uh, professional season to uh, baseball, which I'm, I'm excited to get started. we got pitchers and catchers reporting in uh, a week, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a week from... Tomorrow, I guess. Tomorrow, I think. Yeah. So that's That's exciting. And uh, also alongside us this week uh, in uh, Lafayette is Eric Roseberry. Eric, how are you? I'm doing well. How's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. So uh, diving into it this week. So we had our our interview with Ray Chang last week, so we didn't get to really talk about too much of what's actually going on with the Reds. They've uh, they've made a couple of moves since uh, the last time we talked, so um, I think Let's just use this episode to kind of go over go over some of those and uh, go from there. So um, I think the the biggest signing that they've made to this point was they officially signed Scott Feldman, uh, starting pitcher, and uh, kind of a veteran veteran presence kind of guy, um, a guy who you know as long as he's healthy will probably be. One of those presences in the uh, in the starting rotation. Starting off, let's just kind of go over your initial thoughts on uh, Scott Feldman in a red uniform. Yeah, I think uh, I think you can kind of look at signing Scott Feldman for the the two and a half to, to four plus million dollars that he'll end up making based on all the incentives. It's kind of like the final piece of the Dan Straley trade. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's a crazy coincidence, I guess. But uh, uh, you know, Australia obviously had formerly pitched with the Astros. Feldman had also formerly pitched with the Astros. Uh, neither one of them is an overpowering pitcher. They kind of work on weak contact. Uh, just looking at it right now, uh, Dan Straley's career FIP is uh, four point four two, and Scott Feldman's is uh, let me let me check real quick. It's uh, I think almost exactly the same four point three nine. <laughs> so Feldman, Feldman's a couple years older, but he's he's basically kind of the uh, uh, the replacement signing for what they'd hoped they could get out of Dan Straley last year. Um, obviously, I think they got more out of Dan Straley last year than they expected. That's why they flipped him when they could. Uh, but I think this is kind of the final piece of that entire uh, transaction history. You know, it's it's bringing in that veteran arm that obviously is going to compete for a rotation spot, uh, but is pretty. Well aware, he's got to be well aware of the fact that there are uh, an army of MLB ready arms behind him who throw a lot harder than he does, who are a lot younger than he is, and who are a lot better regarded than he is too. Um, so I think it's kind of the uh, uh, it, it was the market the Reds were stuck in, which is they want to sign a guy who can eat innings, but they're not going to get anybody who wants to pitch for a contending team and who knows they have a guaranteed spot. So. It, given those parameters for the signing and the kind of market they were looking for, I think Feldman 
is a pretty decent sign. He doesn't scream upside. He's not a terribly exciting signing. Uh, but given what they got out of uh, you know Alfredo Simon for some more money last year, I think there's definitely more reason to be excited about Feldman than it was for Simon for sure. Yeah, I think uh, – I mean if you look at his track record over the last handful of years, he's been a battle league average starter, sometimes a little better, sometimes a little worse. But yeah, I mean if they could get that out of him this season, take some innings off the young arms, people might look at – he went to Toronto in August and I mean he only pitched 15 innings there but had an 8.5 ERA and people might freak out kind of seeing how he finished the season. But he's had a weird stretch where he – I mean he's a ground ball guy and got his ground ball rate up to about 65% in Toronto, but the Babbitt went – Four twelve for some reason, and so he just kind of had a fluky into the season, and yeah, he should be a, a solid option in the bullpen or in the rotation. Yeah, I think that's a good thing to bring up too, because yeah, I think people are gonna like Reds fans are gonna see that eight point four ERA in Toronto and kind of think oh, what what the heck happened. But if you actually if you look at their uh, the FIP from both of those those ten years from last year. They were almost identical, so they were .03 difference. Uh, he had a 4.24 FIP in uh, Houston and then 4.21 in Toronto. So, I mean, he was basically the same pitcher. He just kind of, you know, the numbers just didn't really reflect it. I, yeah, I, I mean, agree. He, he kept his ERA under three in Houston and had it above eight in Toronto, and he's probably neither of those guys, but, yeah, somewhere in the middle. Right. You'll be fine. Right. No, I was going to say, he's, he's had seven uh, seven seasons in his career where he's thrown over 100 innings, but he's never thrown over 189. So, uh, you know, he's going to be asked to be that kind of durable veteran starter, despite the fact that he doesn't really have a great track record of being that, you know, that, that massive innings eater. Uh, but I think it's kind of a, a, a double-edged sword because the Reds aren't asking him to be that innings eater for the entire season. I think they're asking him to be that guy for probably the first two months of the season to, to, to buy time for, you know, Amir Garrett's service clock and to keep innings off of Homer Bailey early as he kind of works his way back in and, and, and those kind of things. And I think, uh, you know, they're, they're basically signing Scott Feldman to be that every fifth day guy uh, for about 10 to 12 starts to start the season. And after that, if they get what they wanted out of that, they probably don't really care what he does from that point forward. And I think uh, he's plenty capable of providing enough uh, stability in that parameter um, uh, to be successful, but he's not really the, uh, the the sexy kind of side that you would hope for. Right. And I, I think that, um, you know, you mentioned that uh, Alfredo Simon, and I think that's kind of exactly what the Reds are, are hoping for with this is what they were expecting from Alfredo Simon last year, where, you know, he, he's a guy who, you know, they've already said, and I, I thought this was kind of curious when it came out, but they already said that, you know, he's basically taking a rotation spot. And even though he, he spent most of last year in the bullpen, I, I think it'll be interesting to see how, how that kind of plays out. If, you know, I think he's he's a guy who can go either way. And if, you know, one of these young guys has a really good spring and kind of, um, like if Amir Garrett, just for argument's sake, or Sal Romano or somebody like that, he has a great spring and pitches himself into the rotation to start the season. He's he's the kind of guy where you could throw him in the bullpen and he'll he'll give you good innings and he'll he'll be an asset to you. So I I like the signing. I think that it's the the perfect kind of low risk move that um, this Reds team was was hoping to make and just kind of helps bring some stability to this pitching staff as as the season goes goes forward. 
Right. And I think much kind of in the same boat as the Drew Storen signing from a couple weeks back. Uh, it's not necessarily that I'm enamored with Scott Feldman himself or Drew Storen himself, uh, but there were, you know, at least a good number of pitchers in that kind of same mold that the Reds could have gone out and signed. Uh, and you just hope that Scott Feldman happens to be the right one and that you didn't, you know, roll the dice with two and a half million bucks on him instead of, say, uh, Doug Fister. Um, and Doug Fister is the one who comes out and has a great April and May for somebody else, and Scott Feldman struggles. Uh, I, the concept of the signing is good. Obviously, I'm sure they've watched him pitch and they've, they, they've done their research on him to feel confident that he's the one out of that group that fit their mold the best. Uh, but but whether he whether he pans out, I think what I'm trying to say is that signing a guy like Scott Feldman is the perfect kind of compliment to the pitching staff that they already had in place. Uh, especially, and just to harken back on the Australia thing one more time, him missing out on being that, you know, that super two qualifier by two or three days that would have potentially cost the Reds, you know, three and a half to four million dollars in salary for the upcoming season should they choose to hold on to him. Uh, him missing by just that much basically gave them this uh, almost free money to go out and sign a guy to replace him. Uh, and that's exactly what they've done in Feldman. And so they had that kind of built-in window when Straley didn't hit that threshold. And I think they always kind of had that uh, earmarked to sign a guy like Feldman. Uh, now you just hope that Feldman's the right one from that group that turns out to be uh, what they're hoping for early on. Right. I, I totally agree with that. And uh, so, and speaking of the pitching staff, um, this signing hasn't uh, – it's not on paper yet, but everyone everyone involved is – saying that it's going through. He's apparently, it's a formality that he's actually going to be signed, but um, the Reds are bringing back uh, Bronson Arroyo for spring training. So, you know, it's it's interesting. He he hasn't pitched for the Reds since uh, 2013. Is that right? I, don't I think that's right, yeah. That, yeah. Yeah, so it's, and hasn't pitched in the majors since 2014. Um, you know, he's 39 currently, um, and he threw a, a bullpen session for the Reds and it went well enough that the Reds are going to bring him in and put him in the spring training roster. You know, obviously he has a lot of history in Cincinnati. Um, what are the odds that Bronson Arroyo is one of the, you know, 12 or 13 pitchers that makes this team out of spring training? I, I mean, I don't think there's a great shot at it. I mean, we've already talked about a few guys who, you know, already, picking up somebody uh, like Feldman. And then uh, it seemed like there was already kind of a little bit of a log jam at the back end of that uh, to the point where some of those young guys were talked about as rotation pieces. So uh, given how long it's been since he's pitched and his age and all those factors, uh, I think it's a a feel good story kind of heading into spring, but I would seriously doubt he'd make the roster, but I don't know. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of of the uh, opinion that you could never sign too many guys to minor league deals. Um, especially given where the Reds are right now. Um, I mean, hell, sign sign Ricky Henderson right now and see if he can still run a four five forty. Like I, yeah, I. There's zero risk with that. You're not guaranteeing a roster spot. You're not giving plate appearances or innings on the mound to him over somebody else. You get to spring training. It's not like Bronson Arroyo needs to pitch in Cactus League games to uh, to show you what he can still do at this point. He can pitch on the back. He can pitch in B games. In split squad games, you name it. Uh, if he can hit 85, 86 with his fastball still and throw from 37 different arm angles and feel no pain, which is kind of what the biggest issue with him has been of late, uh, it's a no risk signing whatsoever. And I mean, if he happens to be 
uh, a shell of the Bronson Arroyo that got the two years and what twenty four million dollar contract from the Diamondbacks that caused him to leave the Reds back when he did after twenty thirteen. Uh, then you go with that and you see how far it takes you. Um, you know, I, I, I the fact that Arroyo's in Arizona right now and working out and already ready to be in Goodyear's eight days from now, despite the fact he hasn't actually put pen to paper on the contract, kind of gives me the impression that he wants to be able to just show himself he can still do it. Um, he's always been a guy who's been characterized as a as a great workout freak, a guy who's got his crazy regimen and takes all these supplements and you know, yada, 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 but he's a fitness guy. He's not a strength guy. He's never been jacked. He's always been skinny and lanky, but he's always been that guy who could go every five days and never have any injuries at all until he left the Cincinnati Reds organization. So uh, let him figure that out. And if he figures it out, then the Reds can have a chance to watch him go forward from there. And on a minor league deal, what you're 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 guaranteeing a couple innings on a mound somewhere in the Goodyear complex, and that's it. Uh, I think it's a it's a totally uh, harmless signing uh, from a downside perspective, and from an upside perspective, well, hell, he's played with at least four or five of the guys that are still on the roster. Um, some of whom, <laughs> like guys like Homer Bailey and Devin Mezzarocco, haven't really been healthy since Bronson Arroyo left. So maybe he's got some uh, uh, some sage advice that they can, he can give uh, to the other guys he used to play with and see how things worked out. And if nothing works out, well, you've basically signed him to the ability to retire as a Cincinnati Red, which I think is probably something he deserves after his tenure in, in, in uh, Cincinnati earlier in his career. And that's kind of what this is. If he freaks... If he turns back in uh, to the guy he was beforehand, uh, then you find a lottery ticket, and that's exactly what it is. It's a no cost, uh, no harm, no foul kind of move. Uh, and if anything, people might buy a couple tickets in Goodyear to come out and see him pitch a game or two. So it's um, it's going to get a lot more fanfare than I think it probably deserves in terms of an overall impact move. Uh, but it's also kind of a uh, it's a meh move on the uh, uh, the overall grand scheme of how the Reds rebuild is coming. Um, and I think a lot of people have kind of overreacted to the fact that he's coming into camp uh, because of who he is. And uh, that's probably why it's gotten a little bit more of the news. But ultimately, I think it's uh, one of those things that, that it will be more fun to watch than it will be to actually watch materialize. Right. I, I kind of agree with that, too. I think that, you know, when you look at the, the guys that the Reds have in camp, it's all, you know, I think there's probably nine or ten other guys that have a better, are in a better position, you know, to make this team out of spring training than Bronson Arroyo is. So, you know, I think if if Bronson Arroyo is on your opening day roster, then you have a lot of issues that happened in spring training, to to the point where you know it's it's not a good a good situation. So. Right. You know, I, I think like as, as much as Scott Feldman, as we talked about, was kind of the April, May insurance for the rest of the roster. Bronson Arroyo is almost Scott Feldman insurance. You know, he's he's the the, the no cost extra veteran pitcher that if something else goes awry. And I mean, look no farther than last year uh, when we thought we rolled into camp with great pitching depth. And all of a sudden, Di Scafani gets an oblique injury and Rysel Iglesias' uh, shoulder was kind of bulky and nobody knew exactly what he was going through. And Homer Bailey got bumped back two months and all those assurances that you thought you had going in. Suddenly you don't. And I mean, uh, spring training is the one chance you've you've been afforded to, you know, while you have a 40-man roster, the ability to bring guys in on minor league deals basically gives you a month and a half of an extra 
you know, dozen spots that could be 40-man roster spots. This is one of them. It doesn't guarantee him anything beyond that, but it's there's there's no excuse to not have that depth going in. Um, and at least he's not a formal Cardinal. You know, at least we're not looking at uh, Jason Marquis coming in. At least he is Bronson Arroyo. We have some yeah. sort of emotional attachment to him, you know? At least it's not Chris Carpenter or somebody that, <laughs> you know, we, Carlos Zambrano, somebody that we we watched forever that – was on the opposite side that we hated. So the know, Jeff yeah. Supan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It could be a lot worse than uh, having Bronson Arroyo there. So yeah, I, I, I'm whatever. We'll see what happens, you know? And, uh, another guy that, uh, has been talked about and actually Wick, you, uh, wrote an article about this today. He was kind of mentioned in, uh, Mark Sheldon's notebook today from, from Arizona that he, it's probably, it's an imminent, signing hopefully but uh desmond jennings is the next uh guy to will be in camp as a reserve outfielder um probably on a minor league deal with the with an invite and uh you know i i tend to think that you know if he's if he's in camp he's probably got a pretty good shot of being one of the reserve outfielders for this team um early on um what are you guys thoughts on potentially bringing in desmond jennings Wick, you wrote the piece. Have at it. <laughs> um, yeah, so you know what I said earlier today basically comes down to the fact that the Reds have a lot of guys who either are lefties in the outfield or have reverse platoon, platoon splits as righties in the outfield, uh, basically meaning Adam Duvall. Um, and so bringing in a guy who's a right-hander, who's a versatile outfield uh, defender and a pretty solid outfield defender when he's healthy as well um, was a good idea on the first place, you know, on in the first place anyway. Uh, but the fact that he actually hits left-handed pitching extremely well relative to what everybody else in the Reds outfield does, uh, uh, it, it's, it's a no brainer. And once again, it's a minor league deal, or at least that sounds like it's what it's, what it's going to be when he actually puts pen to paper. Um, it's another no risk deal. You know, if he shows up, and the knee and the hamstring issues that have plagued him over the last two years are still there. Uh, you either cut him or you sit him down and say, hey, if you want to rehab in AAA Louisville, uh, you do it there and we'll keep an eye on you because obviously you know that we've got no right-handed outfielders that really profile as guys who can really thump left-handed pitching. Uh, we've got really only as many Alcantara who can be a, a center fielder aside from Jose Peraza who we want to be an infielder. Uh, the, I think he looks up and realizes that at bats could be there and a big league position could be there uh, with the Reds. And the Reds actually have an opening for a guy exactly like him. Um, and not only that, but it's, it's, it's hard for the Reds. Or it's hard for me to imagine really uh, another guy on the open market that is available this cheap that also has the track record that Jennings has. Uh, it's still just 30 years old. And I say just 30. Obviously, he's not a spring chicken anymore, but at the same point in time, it's not like he's over the hill. Uh, he's had a couple of injured years, um, but if he can show that he can even uh, 80 to 90% of what he was before the leg issues kind of sidetracked him, uh, he's exactly the kind of guys that the, the Reds you know, should have as their fourth outfielder slash 
uh, you know, starter against left-handed pitching slash pinch hitter against lefties late in the game. Um, so I really like the move. I mean, obviously he was a very well-regarded prospect coming up, uh, and he was about a 12 uh, win above replacement guy over 40 years in Tampa Bay. Um, I'm I'm excited about seeing if he's healthy uh, as much as I am about seeing him on the Reds roster because I think if he is healthy, uh, his roster spot will take care of itself because there really is an opening for a guy exactly like him. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I think, you know, looking at his track record and who he was, I mean, you know the talent's there. Uh, I heard some people suggest that uh, this potentially could be a really good move for him just in terms of uh, getting off the the turf in Tampa Bay and uh, potentially that could help his knees a little bit. And uh, I mean, the Reds have some other options in the outfield. So even if he can't be, you know, an everyday outfielder, uh, you know, maybe a part-time role better suits uh, who he is right now and, and just where his body's at. And yeah, if he can look anything like the guy he did when, when he came up, that's a, that's a solid bench option. Yeah, I think so too. And I think one thing that I really like about the potential of bringing him in is that, you know, you he can play some center field and he's a capable center fielder, you know, in case there's something that happens to Billy Hamilton or he has to sit a, game, a couple of games or he, you know, has an extended slump or something, you know. Billy Hamilton's yet to play. In the last two years, he hasn't played 120 games in each of the last two years. So there's going to be that opportunity for somebody to come in and get some starts at center field. And I think that you know having Desmond Jennings there is a more than capable defensive option for you know if and when that time comes. You know I think that you're going to have uh, you know Jose Peraza out there. You're going to have no shortage of reserve outfielders. But I I tend to think that when you're looking for someone to handle that defensively. You know, Desmond Jennings is going to be right there um, as the, the next best option from Billy. So I, I like it for that. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. And I think it's also it, it's a it's an underrated aspect of, of the quote unquote veteran bench uh, options that uh, we always seem to get presented with of guys that understand and almost may want uh, to not play every day, and, I, and not not from a desire perspective, but in front in terms of a 162 game maintenance perspective, and I, I think Jennings might be the exact kind of guy who's in that mold at this point, who looks up and says, you know, maybe I'm best utilized if I only get you know, three or four starts a week, or if I'm getting, you know, at most 350, 400 bats a year uh, in the right time and the right, you know, uh, uh, against the right pitchers and the right ballparks and all the above. Um, and maybe that's how he's best utilized at this point in his career. And, you know, uh, you, you mentioned guys being signed like this to minor league contracts and everybody's like, oh, you know, it's it's the reboot. Like, why are we signing over the hill guys who can't play every day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, there's not like some unsigned top 100 prospect that only the Reds know about that they're willing to sign and then only play twice a week. That 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 person doesn't exist. Uh, so the 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 market for guys like this is a little bit tight as is, and I think they've found one of the best of the bunch uh, in Jennings if he can prove that he's healthy. And uh, I know I mentioned it earlier that it's not just the fact that he hits lefties so much better than he does righties over the course of his career, but he's also hit so much better outside of Tropicana Field uh, that he had at his former home park. And I, I just wonder that if he gets the opportunity to get regular bats, spot starts, and, and, and matchups that really do him uh, a great service, if he can have the kind of year this year that, say, uh, Drew Stubbs had 
when he first went to the Rockies a couple of years ago and had uh, you know a 300 bat season primarily against lefties played uh you know uh late inning defensive replacement in the outfield uh but went to a, a a good offensive park and got spot starts against the kind of guys he could really really mash against and had a fantastic year and earned him basically three more years in the majors uh I I hope that this is the kind of spot that Jennings can kind of uh, uh, succeed in because it seems like on paper, if he's healthy, all the makings are there for him to have a really good bounce back year. I totally agree with that. So, um, I think we're caught up as far as, uh, the act, the new, new additions to the team. Um, one other piece of news that, uh, we want to hit today is that, um, you know, Devin Mezzarocco, they, they talked to him. Um, and it sounds like, they're a little like the front office is a little bit more trepidatious with uh, Devin Mezzarocco, um until he gets on the field, and hopefully it's it could end up be, m- making sure that you know they get another catcher in. Um, you know, what are you guys' thoughts on Devin Mezzarocco and the news that broke today? Um, so yeah, so, uh, uh, Mark Sheldon's article today kind of, uh, touched on, uh, uh, Dick Williams' comments about going into spring training, having not signed another veteran catcher, uh, despite the fact that they talked about potentially bringing in another veteran to, to, to help provide, uh, uh, insurance and or initial depth if Devin Mezzarocco once again is not able to be, uh, the everyday catcher that they signed him to be several years ago, um, I think if anything, it's almost um, it, it's one of two things. Either uh, that's the truth, which it, it very well could be, and I'm not trying to, to say that Dick Williams is trying to skirt the truth here. Uh, but the truth probably is that yeah, they don't really know what Devin Mezzarocco is going to be able to do until they put pads on him and ask him to go out there and do things every day. Uh, but the other rea- reality is is that of the remaining free agent catchers out there, uh, their agents probably don't know what Devin Mezzarocco can do either. They're probably hesitant to try to lean their guys towards signing with the Reds until uh, they have a better idea of what uh, the Reds catching situation is going to shake out as well. And so, um, uh, you know, it looks more and more like they're going to go in with uh, what Stuart Turner, their their Rule 5 pickup who hasn't played above A ball, uh, Tucker Barner, who obviously equipped himself, you know, fairly well as a, a league average catcher last year, and whatever Mesoraco can provide, which. Uh, who knows? That's I'm not I'm not sure. There's a bigger wild card as a position player in Major League Baseball across all 30 teams going into this year as Devin Mezzarocco. We there, we literally have zero idea uh, uh, what we're going to get from them. You look at projection systems and projection systems like give you the middle finger when you type in Devin Mezzarocco because they don't know how. Like there's there's no way to predict based on his last three years what the hell you're going to get from him. So uh, I, I think it is. Uh, every bit the uh, we don't know till we get there kind of uh, uh, mentality, uh, although it does sound at least like they are optimistic that he is as healthy as he could be going into start. I think the question now becomes uh, how quickly does he get sore and how quickly uh, does he have to pace himself more than they thought his original pace would be. Um, it's not surprising, but it's also kind of uh, uh, we don't really know. We got to kind of find out kind of an admission, you know. Yeah, I mean, Tucker 
uh, Tucker showed last year he can get you competently through a season. Um, and they've invested so much uh, in catcher in the farm system the last few drafts that, yeah, if, if Mesoraco can't go, then uh, Tucker can get you hopefully most of the way there uh, as long as he stays injury-free. And, yeah, I just don't expect this to be something they invest too much in the season. If they need to go pick somebody up cheap, somebody will be there to, to go grab. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Tucker's not a, a bad uh, option for what the Reds expect to do this season. Yeah, that's kind of what I gleaned from it too. Um, yeah, I was kind of a little bit surprised that he really didn't mention Tucker in you know the options as far as you know. Hey, if if Devin can't go, you know, obviously Tucker's going to be that guy. But I, it doesn't really. It seems like they're they'd be favoring bringing in a more veteran guy if you know Devin's not responding to you know being able to actually physically catch or. You know, something like that. So that and that struck me a little bit as as odd. You know, they don't have a ton of internal options close. Yeah, you know, they're probably the closest catcher would be Chris Oakey, who hasn't played. He, I don't think he made it above a ball last year, but I think he's he's going to be their their fast track kind of prospecty catcher here probably, but not until twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen. So, yeah, you know, we can give I up on the idea of Matt Weeders being in a Reds uniform next season. Yeah, exactly. Oh, they, he was, uh, that was a big talking point, you know, on Red Reporter a couple months ago that he might yeah, be so I, a solid pickup. But. I, I think in terms of like overall payroll, like they've already committed so much to Mesoraco this year. I think he's making what, uppers of $7.5 million this year. So in terms yeah. of like the budget, they've already committed a lot of money to the catching position, quote unquote. So they've they've got to find a way in terms of, you know, uh, uh, fitting the budget and finding the right guy. You know, I, I, I asked Zach Buchanan when we had him on here a couple of weeks ago what the organization really thought of Chad Wallach, who was a guy that they brought in, uh, you know, in the Matt Latos deal uh, along with Anthony Scafani a couple of years ago, who kind of looks like he's going to be the Louisville catcher this year. Um, he's had injury issues. I think he broke a wrist by getting hit by a pitch. Uh, there's questions about exactly how great of a defensive catcher he is, uh, but he's posted good on base numbers in the past. Um, but they didn't put him on the 40-man roster this year when they otherwise could have, despite the fact that I think they've sent him to the Arizona Fall League twice now, uh, which is kind of an interesting dichotomy for a guy who's already 26 years old. Uh, you kind of think that if they were committed to sending him to a place like the AFL, they'd also be committed to putting him on the 40-man roster. Uh, but they didn't do that, which makes me wonder exactly where they see him fitting in down the road uh, as well. But I think... If, if anybody has the ability to benefit from either Mesoraco not being fully healthy uh, or the Reds not going out and signing a guy like uh, Brian Pena or Deonor Navarro or uh, Hank Conger, just looking at like the random catchers that are still on the open market, uh, I think it might be Chad Wallach. Maybe, maybe a good spring training from him uh, uh, solidifies their willingness to say, okay, we've got a little bit more depth at catcher in the minor league system, uh, at least at the upper levels, because I agree with you on Chris Oakey. I think, you know, uh, Tyler Stevenson, we don't really know exactly what the heck we've got yet other than a, a talent that's very, very raw still. I think Oki is the kind of guy who could move very quickly through the system. Uh, but Wallach's the guy I'm going to be watching a lot more, I think, in spring training, given Mesoraco's kind of question mark, because I think he might be that guy who could potentially provide them with that extra catching depth uh, should they need it to start the the first part of the season? Yeah, I think that you know they always have they always need a couple of catchers here. You know, even early on, you know, I think 
Ramon Cabrera, you know, got a lot more playing time than the Reds probably would have expected. And, uh, you know, having a guy like that, you know, fresh at AAA, whether that's, you know, Chad Wallach or whether that's somebody else that they bring in is going to be, um, you know, crucial for the rest to start the season. So, Hey, Ryan Hannigan's still out there. Maybe a little reunion. Yeah, he is. Oh, he could he could play. Oh, can, can you imagine seeing him and Arroyo in spring training together? <laughs> oh. oh, that'd be that'd be so beautiful. What, what's uh, what's Trades of twenty twelve? <laughs> what, what's Rafi Lopez up to these days? Where'd he end up? <laughs> All right. Well, one last thing that uh, we wanted to get to in this episode. So Eric has the twenty seventeen edition of baseball prospectus and uh is is going to give us a couple give us a description of a mystery player a reds player and uh wick and i are gonna have to guess the player so eric take it away all right so uh just to make it clear i'm pretty sure this uh you're thinking 40-man roster uh in terms of this okay Uh, so it can be a little wider than who might be on the major league roster i tried to take out guys who had obvious clues that gave it away uh no former basketball players will be mentioned so uh all right first one first comment it's not terribly hard to see what this uh player was trying to do in 2016 he stopped throwing 97, preferring to lean more on his two-seam heat and work in the low to mid-90s with better command. The problem was that neither fastball could miss bats at that speed, and he still just has an ill-defined slurve for a breaking ball. It's time to dispense with cuteness and the dream of a mid-rotation workhorse and see whether short burst and his hottest heat can turn this player into a dominant reliever. Ooh, that, that sounds like Robert Stevenson? Nope. Ooh. Ooh. I'm I'm gonna say Michael Lorenzen. It is not. I'll give you a hint. He has not been on the big league roster yet. Oh, okay. Well that that doesn't exactly mesh with the tail end of Sal Romano's season. Um although he has often been mentioned as a potential lights out reliever. Uh is it Sal Romano? It is not. This was supposedly the big piece of the Mike Leak trade. Ooh. Oh, okay. So I I know who it is. Curry Maya. Curry Maya. It is. Ding 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 ding. Interesting. Wow. Interesting. That's that's a little bit. That's a lot less optimistic than uh, I probably would have expected that to be. Interesting. Well, so his strikeout numbers definitely were down. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, Stevenson, if I remember correctly, moved from a more of a four-seam 95 to 97-mile-an-hour fastball to sit at more like 93, 94, uh, and wasn't missing as many bats either. So maybe that's why I was thinking him. But but Maya, I guess, is uh, that, that, that makes sense as well, just looking at his numbers, because he obviously uh, uh, failed to, to really capitalize on that uh, uh, that change as a starter while in the minors last year. So interesting, very interesting. All right, number two. This player traced a short low arc across the starscape of the national prospect scene. He's not going to be the kind of player it appeared he might be in that short window. He's a right-handed hitter without much speed or power. He's stuck at second base, and he has only just enough hit tool to make that viable. 
If he's a regular, he's a bottom-of-the-order bat on a good team, and it gets his value from fielding his position well. If he's not a regular, he's probably not a big leaguer because everyone's backup second baseman now plays relief pitcher. <laughs> everyone's backup second baseman now plays relief pitcher. That's <laughs> that's uh, that, I've never heard that before, but that actually makes a lot of sense in the grand scheme. That's funny. Hmm. <laughs> All right, Wick, what's your guess? Uh, just based on being pigeonholed at second base, I want to say it's Dilson Herrera. Um, yes, that, that's going to be, so that was going to be my guess too. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it sounds like, I feel like you could wedge Jose Peraza in there a little bit, but at least he does have, uh, you know, the speed tool, uh, that, that would have been mentioned there as well, which I guess, uh, Herrera doesn't necessarily have. I'm, I'm still cautiously optimistic on Herrera's power, quote unquote, you know, if, if, uh, if if Brandon Phillips could morph himself into a twenty to thirty home run hitter, I, I think Herrera still has that upside there. But I certainly can see how that's uh, the top end of his projections. And if he turns out to be significantly less than that, that, that that's a that's a reasonable mid to low end uh, expectation of what Herrera could provide. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. You got right, another one, Eric? Two. Yep, one more. Player number three. Okay. Okay. Being a pitching coach doesn't seem that hard. Lately, it seems mostly to consist of saying to struggling but talented starters in their mid-20s, hey, dude, you know the pitch in your repertoire that doesn't work? Stop throwing that one. Yeah, just quit. Someone got into this pitcher's ear with just that message last summer. Out went the changeup, which he'd always thrown to lefties because that's what a righty throws to a lefty. And if he doesn't have a blessed curve, what's he doing? Instead, that's... This player spider <laughs> <laughs> in his curve more often, and I uh, just ruined it. So, who uh, do you think that is? <laughs> PK, you want this one? <laughs> is this uh, Bronson, Bronson Royal? <laughs> uh, surprisingly, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. That's 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 what I was leaning towards anyway. I'm not I'm not trying to like step in and be like, oh, I knew that. No, that's where I was leaning anyway. So. It does finish with Desclafani threw a slider in his curve more often, looked more comfortable, lowered his walk rate, and solidified his future as a mid-rotation starter. Right. Ah, so there you that's go. That's a good one. Yeah. I'm. I'm. Fr- that's frankly, I'm excited as hell about Anthony Desclafani. I really am. I. I almost ira- almost irrationally so. Um, but I there's. I don't know what it is about him. It's you know, it's obviously not his strikeout rate. It's it's not his swing and miss rate. It's not his velocity. Uh, but there's something about watching the way he pitches that just it it screams um not not that mid rotation starter is a bad term. It's you know, there are lots there are plenty of really good mid rotation starters, depending on who who's like Johnny Cueto is a mid yeah. is a mid rotation starter for a good rotation. Um yeah. he's, I mean yeah, I mean he's 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 the guy who's he's a, he's an upper echelon starter in terms of all of the starters in the game um but there's something about the way he goes about his business on the mound that just makes me uh uh think that peripherals be damned he's going to be good uh and i'm excited probably of anybody on the current reds roster for the 2017 season i'm excited to see him be that 200 inning top of the rotation kind of guy yeah, I think that, you know, if you would have told the Reds that they were going to get, a, you know, a mid-rotation starter when they traded for Anthony DiSofani, they would have been all about it. So, you know, you oh, can, yeah. you can, he can make a pretty, pretty good career out of that, I think. And, uh, you know, and 
I I think that they're they might be shortchanging him a little bit, you know, from what we've seen, just watching him kind of day in, day out and how he kind of goes about his business. I think that, you know, over the last two seasons, we watched him mature a lot as a pitcher. And I think that there's still some kind of strides that he can make there to, to put himself into that, that conversation of being a top of the rotation guy for, for at least for this team. So yeah, yeah. Any uh, guesses as to who the player might be healthier doing stunt work for Christian Bale? <laughs> I never made that connection before. Oh really? Oh man, yeah. That's it's very obvious. That that that's some old Red Reporter <laughs> lore right there. Yeah, yeah. That that that's some, that's some two, that's some two thousand nine two thousand ten uh, 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 vintage Red Reporter lore for Homer Bailey. So, yeah, if you haven't picked up the annual yet, Zach Buchanan did the introductory essay for the Reds, and he always does a good job. So some yeah. good way to burn your off-season free time. Right. Still plenty of time before uh, we actually have spring training games. So, yeah, go ahead and pick that up and uh, read about the Reds. So, hey, if we if we do another one of these next Monday, since we've fallen in a pretty good path of doing these every Monday, we'll be doing our next podcast on the eve of Pitchers and Catchers reporting. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That'll be good. That's right that's right around the corner. Yeah, it so. is. It's baseball season, damn it. <laughs> yep, exactly. So uh make sure we still have some uh some off some off season cleaning up stuff to do here. Um we're still kind of previewing the the twenty seventeen season at Red Reporter, so um come vote on community prospect rankings. Um, you know, come talk to us about that kind of stuff. Um, we'll be kind of going into the spring training roster here as, as pitcher and catchers report, but um, stay in touch with us. Uh, follow us on Twitter at red reporter and uh, we'll uh, see you next time.